Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of us believe in the power of positive thinking, uh, which makes us susceptible to good news that isn't true. Uh, and uh, you realize that good news that isn't true really isn't good news, is it? In, in the end, it's a lie. Uh, that will leave you wanting and will make you feel ripped off in the end. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at um, really the last passage that kind of summarizes and solidifies how we are to suffer as God's people. Uh, And uh, I just titled this message, Simple Suffering, this morning. And you realize that it's not simple to suffer, that uh, when we find heat coming to our life and uh, things that are uncomfortable and things that pressure us, we don't like it. And we, most of the time we look for the door, uh, exit stage left or the trap door, just get me out of here, right? I just want to get out of the suffering. Uh, but th- those attitudes really leave us open to a gospel or uh, good news that isn't true. A gospel that says, if you do what's right, if you honor the Lord, no pain will come to your life. That's not true. And as we've looked at the book of First Peter, we've seen for chapters that that's not true. And he brings it home in this last section once again of how we are to ha- handle suffering. Uh, I've heard it in some pastors' voices as they've talked about uh, their their churches during the uh, during this pandemic. They've they've said nobody's gotten sick in our congregation, and I, it makes me nervous every time they say it. It's true here too. Uh, we, other than uh, RJ and Sabrina and their family, who uh, they had been traveling, and uh, we believe that they had uh, contracted the coronavirus. Uh, but other than that, we, we haven't been exposed to that. We really haven't known somebody as part of our church and definitely not from coming to church uh, that we know of. Uh, but does that mean it couldn't happen? Absolutely not. Uh, I guarantee you that I have gotten sick before by going to church. Uh, I've, gone to, uh, I've been to a lot of Sundays and so have you. And I trust that you probably have as well. Um, there's a certain foolishness, by the way, that says, well... I got sick one time, and so I'll never go back there again. Uh, just stay in your house. Actually, some of you have gotten sick at your house, so stay outside, okay? Uh, sleep in the backyard. Um, there, there's this idea that uh, if we do everything that God wants us to do, we'll never get sick. We'll never be poor. Uh, we'll, we'll always get our way. Our, our home will always be happy And that's not taught in the scripture. That's not good news because it's false. It's false. And and God wants to share with us uh, from 1 Peter this morning about suffering again. And and it's not suffering that uh, is apart from God's plan and will. It's it's part of that. It's, It's part of what he desires to do in your life and in mine. And it's part of him working out his plan for the generations to bring this world to fru- bring the plan to fruition that he would do all that he is planning and wanting to do. And so this morning, as we look at First Peter chapter four, we're going to see how to handle regular suffering in this life. 
by remembering the worth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from chapter 4, starting in verse 12. God's word says this, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trials trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted uh, for the name of Christ, you are blessed uh, because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for the judgment to begin the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And uh, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that this would penetrate our hearts, change us from the inside. God, uh, we are so needy of you. And so we ask for your rearranging of our hearts this morning. God, glorify yourself and your church. Help us to have a heart of perseverance that we would not quit, but that we would joyfully serve you to the end. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to see three, three things, and then in verse 19, we're going to see a summary or a conclusion, uh, a battle cry of our hearts, uh, instruction for us as God's people who experience suffering. We start in verse 12 and 13, and we see this, that we are not shocked, but joyful. Uh, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. I think that many of us are, Right? I shared with you the idea of the health wealth gospel that uh, if we do what God says, that everything good will happen in our lives. And most of us believe that in our, our weaker moments. And, and we are shocked when bad things come to us. And, and there's an idea of us coming back to the word of God and hearing from him and being re-instructed that this is what happens. And he says, don't be surprised when difficult times come to you. Uh, and he, he says that these things are here to test us and to show us to be genuine, not to him, but to us. Um, and he also said, uh, as though something strange were happening to you. We're not surprised. Uh, we're not, uh, we, we don't get shocked at the fiery trials. We don't find them to be strange. But something different in verse 13, it says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Think about that. That as we uh, look to the cross of Jesus Christ, as we look to his earthly ministry and then him going to the cross, uh, the, the steps to the, to the cross and the arrest, the trials uh, that he, uh, by the way, uh, Jesus wasn't on the right side of the law on those things either, right? Uh, I, I don't want to just keep pounding this, but Jesus himself uh, was 
disobedient to what the authorities wanted him to do, both religious authorities and the Roman government at that time. And so as he walked to the cross, as he uh, took steps, and as things came together, there were guards involved, there were trials, uh, and then there were beatings, and and then eventually he was nailed to the cross. His physical body was nailed to the cross. He he took the pain and the suffering, and then uh, he, he died. And if we're believing in that God never lets anything bad happen, uh, tell it to Jesus, right? Uh, we see him as our model that was, he was sinless perfection in his life. And he went to the cross. He died on a cross, both as our savior, but also as our model, okay? And so as we look at this this morning, we remember that uh, as, we, uh, as we are Christians, we are not shocked or surprised, but we are joyful. What are we joyful of? And, and you think about this. It even says that I was just, it just popped into my mind in the book of Hebrews. It, it says that uh, for the joy set before him. That's what it says in Hebrews. For the joy set before him. And it's speaking of Jesus. And it speaks of him going to the cross. And it says, for the joy set before him. And you go, wait, what was the joy set before him going to the cross? It wasn't that he enjoyed the pain of the cross. It was that he was following the plan of the Father. And he was redeeming sinful men like you and I. That was his joy in obeying And in a similar way, we see here that we are joyful, not for the pain itself, not for suffering in and of itself, but it says that insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. And it says that, uh, and that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Not just now that we are rejoicing, but we will be rejoicing when this all comes together and uh, we're in heaven forever, this will not be something that, how many of you have had buyer's remorse? You've been watching TV and it looked like some really nice jewelry or a good set of pans. How can that knife cut through that metal? And it's a whole set of them, you know? But wait, there's more. Watched too much TV growing up. Uh, but we've all had buyer's remorse, right? We, we've had this idea that uh, we were so excited about something and we were willing to pay whatever it was to have. And then we got it. We might have even been excited as we got it too. And we used it a couple times. It was great. But in time, we felt ripped off. I want to tell you, as God's people... Believing in the Savior Jesus Christ, having our sins forgiven, promise of heaven, eternal life in his family forever. It's a steal. It's a steal what we get. It's something that as we come to the end of this world, we are going to be rejoicing. We are going to be rejoicing because of the riches that we have because of Jesus. We are not shocked at the fiery trials of today, but we are rejoicing both now that we get to be connected with Christ, but not just now. We'll be rejoicing forever because of what we have in Christ. 
So the first point this morning is how do we uh, handle regular suffering is that we're not shocked, but we're joyful. Sometimes you're going to have to remind yourself of the joy. Uh, sometimes uh, in the midst of suffering, it's going to be easier to complain than it is to be joyful. And that's when we walk ourselves through the scriptures and we remind ourselves of what's true. Number two, we move on to verse 14. I get hurt, but I am blessed and I am glorifying. As we look at this, we see in verse 14, it says this, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Um, and then it goes on, he says, if any of you suffers, let him not be ashamed, okay? It's interesting in this, uh, these three verses here, it's not talking about beatings. It's talking about verbal insults. It's, it's name calling, if you will. It's the idea of, of someone identifying you. And it, it's interesting because uh, that's sometimes the most painful, stinging things that we can get is insults because of our connections with Jesus. Uh, we take that personally. It's interesting. Uh, how many of you remember an insult that happened when you were growing up? You, 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 that one day in school, that teacher said this to you, or you're out of the playground and somebody called you this and, and you remember it like it was yesterday. It was many years ago and, and, and you still can hear their voice and it rings in your ears. You can, you can quote it verbatim. You knew where you were standing. You knew what the other person was wearing and they, it, it still bothers you. That's because words are hurtful to you. And to me as well, we, we hate it when people think bad of us and even more so when they say it, uh, say uh, what they think of us. And he says, uh, you, you know, that, that's hurtful. That can be uh, something that is hurt and you will get hurt as a Christian. I, I want to cause you to brace yourself for this. This is important stuff here. Uh, you will get insulted as a Christian. By being a Christian, you will get insulted. That's what happens. Uh, get used to it. Embrace that. No, don't look for it. It'll, it'll find you. Uh, I, I want you to get that. It's okay to be insulted. It's okay to suffer. He, he's going to go back to that. It's okay to be insulted. It's okay to be suffered. It's okay to be offended. You don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> but as we look at this passage, he says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ... You are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Um, before I go on, that this idea that, that the blessings of Christ reside in you, that his presence is with you, that it's not that you're alone. And I, I think so often we take it personally. Do not take uh, Christian insults as personal because they're for your Savior. They're not for you. If you weren't connected to your Savior and you say, well, I love being connected to my Savior. That's the point. Because of your love of your connection with Christ, all that you have in Christ is worth more than all the insults, the, the, the pain that could happen from outside. And so this idea is this, that the insults that are directed at you are really directed at Christ. But know this, that his spirit, his glory resides in you, is with you. He, he's not apart from you. He is with you. 
And so we look at uh, these difficult sufferings as, yeah, we will get hurt. We will get insulted and go through these painful sufferings. But we glorify and we consider ourselves blessed because of uh, what we have in Christ. In verse 15, there's a warning, a warning that he has already spoken of a couple of times in these last chapters. He says this, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Uh, Why do murderers suffer? Why is there the death penalty? Why is there prison? They won. They they, they earned that, right? (laughs) Right. They earned that because of what they had done. It wasn't that they were suffering unjustly. It was that they were suffering justly. They, they were getting justice, physical justice today. That's what happens when you steal. That, that's when you, different kinds of evil. And even uh, it, it uses this word meddler. It, it means someone who's attending to somebody else's affairs. It's getting in somebody else's business. And I think all of us have done this before, right? We, we've been a busybody and uh, we've been a gossip and we've, we've bothered and we've cared about things instead of our own affairs. And it's been painful because we've made a mess of things and we've lost friendships. And he, he says, don't suffer like that. That's not the, the Christian way of suffering. And there's a huge distinction that we need to make between did we earn this? <laughs> by our sinful behavior, or is this part of what it is to be united with Christ? That's a very important thing. Very important for us to remember that. Um, And to be humble enough to say both, right? To say, yeah, I probably brought that upon myself. Um, That suffering, this pain, or or these are things, I don't know why they happen. And if we don't know why they happen, that, that we can rejoice in. Because we know that if, if there's no reason for it, it's because of Christ. It's because of his name uh, that we have had to suffer. So that we get hurt, but we are blessed and glorifying. Um, as we look at verse 16, it says this, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify uh, God in that name. There's no shame in suffering as a Christian. Uh, there, there's no uh, reason to hang your head as a Christian if you're experiencing suffering. It's something that I don't want to say pride in, but you can glory in, right? The, the picture here is that we are excited to be partnered with Christ and the glory that he is receiving, we can share in, not for ourselves, but that we know that we are uh, living for him and connected with him. So important, and and it should be a different, um, if you can picture getting arrested for following after Christ and arrested as a murderer, those are two different things, right? Uh, You know, there's a smile and rejoicing and uh, excitement, even if there's, not the idea that we would want to get arrested, but at least it's for something important, right? And the idea of being a murderer, the shame of being caught for the sins that you've committed. Um, this is the picture. So we, we might get hurt, but uh, if we work ourselves through the scripture, we realize the blessing and we can glorify God in the midst of that. Which brings us to verse 17 and 18. We receive judgment, uh, but we are thankful for salvation. 
judgment, but thankful for salvation. This is a, a tough little section here, verses 17 and 18, because it says this. He says, uh, for it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. When you see the household of God, who are you thinking about? It's us right here, right? It's the people who went to church in the parking lot. Uh, the, the, this is the household of God. These are God's people. Uh, we are the family. Um, as you think about that, it says, who, who's getting judged in this passage? The household of God. You say, wait a minute, I thought judgment was for uh, the enemies of Christ. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, Peter uses an unusual word here of judgment, this, this idea that, that, that God will judge and will test those of us down here. And as you think about that, what's the context? What is he talking about? Suffering, right? There will be difficulties down here, down here. That this is the only judgment that we would, this is the only work or pain that, that will come to our lives from the hand of God, from the hand of God. You need to know this, that this is not apart from God's plan. This is part of God's plan. Verse 17, he says this, uh, for, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will, become, uh, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The righteous is scarcely saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? As you think about this passage, he, he separates kind of family judgment or family pain and final pain or final judgment. See, believers uh, have uh, pain that comes from God. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a section in there, and at the uh, conclusion, verse 11, it says this, for for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Meaning, meaning that God uses pain, suffering, his judgment to us, his temporary now time uh, pain that suffering, he uses that to train us, to fit us for heaven. In fact, in that passage, it talks about, um, in Hebrews 12, it talks about him accepting us as his children. It's the idea of him loving us and, and, and fitting us and training us to be adults. Uh, this is how he trains us many times through the pain of this life. It's important for us to see this, uh, that he makes uh, a separation in this judgment that he says this, he says, uh, what about the ungodly? What about the unrighteous? Well, what about those who do not have relationship with Jesus Christ? See, we, we go through suffering. We go through pain and the, the idea of God's judgment. We go through that down here, right? He, he's correcting us all the time. We go through that. But, but what will happen for those who have rejected Christ? What will happen for them? He asks the question and, and puts it side by side through this temporal suffering. He says, for, he says, it begins with us, but what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, or 
barely saved, if you'd say it that way, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? For us as God's people, we should hear that and we should say, yes, we should have perseverance today, but compassion for the lost. That we should be reminded that uh, for those who don't know Jesus, it will be an eternity of payment for their sins. Which brings us to the conclusion, verse 19. Love this verse. And uh, I, I rush kind of to get to this verse because I think it's so important. I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. Uh, make it your very own. Write it down again and again and again. Make a sign. Put it in your bathroom, in your kitchen, in your man cave. Uh, put a sign in your garden. I don't know. Wherever you got to put it. Because I think this is so important. As you think about suffering, uh, sometimes it gets complicated. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle this? Should I do this or should I do that? Should I quit? When is it time to quit? Is God speaking to me? Like, there's it's so much complication. And then you get a verse like verse 19. It says this. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I want to break that one down for you. What are we to do? We are to suffer according to God's will. Not suffer outside of God's will as a sinner, but as part of God's will. We are to suffer. Uh, that can be a lot of different things. A lot of different things. Um, so, some of you suffer in family relationships right now. You have difficult things going on in your family. Um, and, and you're thinking, I just got to have this quit. You can't get away from your family, and you shouldn't. Whether that be your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, your siblings, your mom and dad. Um, this is God's blessing to you. He has made it clear that these are, this is your family unit. It's part of his will for you that you have relationship with your family. You can think of other things too. Some, some of us have struggled with health problems and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, you have cancer. And, and you say, well, this isn't part of God's will. And I would say, yes, it is. Because <laughs> it's true. It's happening today. It's happening and you can sit there and deny it. You can uh, sit on the floor and throw a temper tantrum. But, but if, it's, if you can see that it's part of the path of God for you, what should you do? You should suffer as part of God's will. And, and all these things as well, to realize that this is good. Well, what happens if uh, you, there's pain that enters your life because of following after Christ? God's will. He could have rescued you from it, but he, he hasn't. And so you realize that's God's will. You've you got to first uh, make sure that your suffering, whatever the pain is in your life, is according to God's will. And if it is, suffer. Joyfully suffer. Blessed suffering. Glorifying suffering. If you're suffering according to God's will, then what should you do? Entrust your souls to your faithful creator. Let's skip over the entrust your souls for a minute and just like who your faithful creator. 
I love that. I love that. Who knows you? Who knows you? The one who made you knows you. He made you. He knows everything about you. He knows your, your days, your, your uh, beginnings and your endings. When you rise, like he knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your past. He knows the sins that you've committed that no one's seen. He knows everything about you. He's your creator and he's faithful to you. He's, faith, he's faithful to you, but he's also faithful to himself and to carry out his own character and to be the same and to be trustworthy and good. And so he can be trusted. Uh, I remember uh, when our kids are small, uh, having babies, and uh, we'd come to youth group. I was a youth pastor at the time. And, uh, you know, Rebecca would be holding one of the kids, and uh, she'd be holding one of the little ones. And uh, we, we had a baby here last week. I don't know if you got to see the little guy, uh, uh, the Fenton's. Uh, kid and three weeks old and you know those of you who know about babies three weeks old you, you know about that right it's real small real small and so the idea of having these little babies you, you know back in the day uh, I was a youth pastor Rebecca's holding the baby and you know these are precious things to us and there's all kinds of youth group kids around and um, there's there something would come up and Rebecca would would say oh I, I need to go or I need to do something and this idea of having our little one and to turn around and who should I entrust this baby to? And most of the youth kids, uh, some of them are grown up now and I trust them with my baby, but he's like, oh, here, oh, no, never mind. Uh, you know, you're looking for someone trustworthy. Why? Because when you have something of value and you're nervous and it's fragile and, and frail and you, you go, I can't entrust this to anyone. Your life should not be trusted to anyone except your faithful creator. You say, I'm in danger right now. Well, if you're in danger, don't trust your soul to anyone other than your faithful creator. He can be trusted, but he's the only one who should be trusted. Think about that. This picture here is this of you persevering through the trial and trusting that the Lord will take care of you today. He's the only one who can be trusted. The only one for you and me. And trust your souls to, to your faithful creator. And lastly, what does it say? How does it end? It says, while doing good. While doing good told you this over and over again. I'll tell it to you again. Maybe again after this. Uh, the enemy has a plan for your suffering. He wants to train you by it. He, he wants uh, you to be discouraged by the days and, and the, through the suffering and the pain. And, and what he's saying is quit. Just quit. Sit down. Give up. Cash it in. Say, I I'm done with this. Uh, Christ must not have been the right way because there's suffering in my life. Go the other way. He wants you to quit. But the call here in this passage, this verse, is when you're suffering, as part of God's will, give yourself or entrust yourself, your soul, your person, your days, entrust your soul to your faithful creator, and then do what? 
Continue doing good. Keep doing good. Keep persevering. The, the picture here, the, the grammar tells us that it's the idea of you were doing good, you're suffering, you continue to do good. You continue walking and, until, until you're done, until you're done. I, I want to encourage you today that you, you want to continue to do good, no matter what, no matter if you're healthy, no, no matter if you, you like what's going on in our country, no matter if your job's going well, no matter if your kids are treating you well, that no matter that we are to continue to do good in the eyes of God, to be his servants. I hope that's encouraging to you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, the blessing of being together and to hear from your word. God, I, I thank you, and I ask that you would help us in this. Uh, we're so soft, um, and when any kind of suffering comes, we, we tend to want to bail out, we want to quit, we want to give up or feel sorry for ourselves. God, I ask that you would give us the courage to keep going, that we would connect our thoughts to that of Christ and to follow in his footsteps of suffering, that we would um, rejoice, not because we enjoy suffering, but because we be connected to you, not just today, but forever. And that the riches of today, the blessings of today will go on forever. God, we thank you for this time. Give us courage for the day, we pray in Jesus' name.